Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of Bruin Time. I'm Quayson Banna. And Armor Soul. Alright, Armor Soul, tell me, what is the brew for today? So, the brew for today is we're talking about oral cancer, and this is particularly your field of expertise, no? It is. That's something we're learning about, uh, continually learning about it, you know. Don't quote me, but uh, I am kind of kind of getting some information that I think is something that everyone can kind of benefit from and hopefully do at home uh, to check if they have uh, any kind of issue, whether or not it's intraorally or extraorally. So let's kind of talk about, you know, what do you think the uh, major risk factors are? So the major risk factors, I mean, obvious, I think of smoking, for example. So that's like tobacco. Uh, that is like e-cigarettes, that's cigars. But what about hookah? I mean, okay, hang on. Like, I know you say hookah is an American version, but what's the original version of it, the original word? So, yeah, I think uh, hookah is, of course, we're talking about the nargil or um, waterless, or excuse me, not waterless. Um, this is water-based with, you know, and they put all kind of flavor and sometimes tobacco as well. Um, but they call it, I think, um, yeah, I think in the Middle East, they call it shisha. Um, they have it nargil. That's kind of primarily what I know of it as. Uh, but definitely here in the States, we call it hookah, and which is kind of the Americanized version. So, but to answer the question, you, you brought up e-cigarettes uh, and hookah. Uh, interestingly enough, those are all still carcinogens, you know. Uh, there's hot vapor that's being in in kind of ingested or inhaled through the mouth. Uh, this is going to keratinize the uh, oral cavity. And keratinizing is basically just making the uh, the tissues or the mucosa hard and firm. And of course, basically getting rid of the vascular aspect of it. So it's, it's really just getting rid of the blood supply in those areas. Um, but yeah, um, Tobacco is a big one. Second one actually is alcohol. Alcohol is a is a contributing factor. And the third one, uh, which is HPV. So I always kind of get screwed up with the first name. Human papilloma virus. This actually is a major contributor to oral cancer. And it's one of those things that I think everybody can kind of get because it's just, it just comes in a vaccine, you know, and you can definitely preventable. You know, we have this vaccine, and it's kind of recommended to get it kind of between the ages of 9 and 14 for various various reasons, uh, to protect the child, whether or not the child is sexually active, or uh, in worst-case scenario, whether or not there's any kind of abuse course in that kind of situation. And and again, like, it, it's crazy just to know, again, like, it, they have to get it that young, because that's where it most likely occurs, right? So, because I, when I... Because I discovered this type of information when I was shadowing at a pediatric clinic. And I remember the doctor showed me a whole, a whole entire list. Like, oh, so this is when we give out these vaccines and it's going to be at these different ages. And I'm like, and you see that? That's like, an, that's like an STD right there. And it's like, really? It's like that young? I mean, it's just it's just mind boggling to to think that, you know? Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's either from their own consent or without their consent that they, these oral cancers will be given uh, or transmitted. You know, not a great feeling, you know, to talk about the other, the, the latter about. But anyway, yeah, so just a little bit of statistics, uh, kind of statistics. 85% of skin cancers are actually uh, situated on the head and neck. Uh, and the two main causes of skin two main common types of skin cancer, of course, are our BCC and our SCC, which is 
basal cell carcinoma, and the squamous cell carcinoma. Uh, more than about 75% of that head and neck cancers originate in the oral cavity. So definitely this is the reason why we... Really? Yeah, this is definitely why we want to talk about this because just I would say three-fourths of skin cancer is in the mouth, you know, and are we really thinking about that? That's not really an area that we can see. It's kind of hard. You know, if somebody had like a really big lesion on this on the side of their cheek on their face, I mean, obviously like they'd get that checked out. But it's kind of hard to see that in a in a place which is closed most of the time, except when we're talking, right? Or brushing our mm-hmm. teeth. So, yeah, like the lower lip and the uh, the lateral borders or the sides of the tongue actually are the highest uh, spots where basically oral cancer can uh, metastasize or manifest. And that's about like 38 and 30% chance that it's going to be in those areas. So definitely something to check out. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of get into it a little bit later uh, about like how to kind of the description. But um, those are primarily the, the biggest places to look for. So let me ask you. So you're talking about alcohol, for example, that it also causes oral cancer. And again, alcohol is a liquid. So I, I automatically I think of what uh, stomach cancers or liver disease, for example. Um, but how does how does uh, alcohol cause cancer orally? Because, again, it's it's a fluid Right, it's washing away the mouth. Does it kill the the healthy bacteria in your mouth, or what? It might be that. Um, to be quite honest, I don't know the exactly the mechanism to which it does. It could be that it's maybe it creates a systemic issue. You know, for example, you talked about the liver. You talked about the digestive. It could be affecting those organs, and that it ultimately is affecting the oral cavity. Uh, or it might just be that it is, you know, just the you know the 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 chemical formula of ethanol uh, and all that kind of stuff is just really keratinizing uh, the oral cavity, and that's the reason why it causes um, oral cancers. But uh, maybe that's something we need to investigate a little bit more, kind of to see exactly what mechanism it does. I mean, obviously with like smoking, uh, cigarettes, and all that kind of stuff, we definitely see like, oh, hey, that makes sense. They put a thousand different, you know, chemicals in a cigarette. And you're just inhaling that and it's, you know, basically burning and keratinizing the oral cavity. So, you know, there's this book, I told you I read it, called On Your Day, On Your Life by Marcus Aubrey. And he talks about that. You know, nicotine is a um, is a chemical. It's, oh man, what, what was it? It's, it's not a, it's not, yes, it is addicting, but like, it's also like a stimulant. There you go. Like it helps you focus. However, though, even I advocate for this too. You should not smoke it, but you could get it in other forms another means right you could get the patches sometimes they even do sell like the gummies to help you out with that as well and i'm also just thinking about this historically because think about that i mean who what who were the people that were smoking tobacco before the europeans probably like the natives of that area exactly right? the the natives like native americans were here and and i know like culturally they use it also to like to broker peace it also helped them focus but at once you know uh we started colonizing and taking over and taking them over, uh, now that's now we start adding all of those different chemicals to mess up the process. Exactly. I'm so glad you talked about that. Actually, nicotine is not the. It's actually it's not really a carcinogen, as you put it. It's a stimulant, and it's really not the culprit to cause cancer. Nicotine. It's the addictive. Oh. It's the addictive part of uh, tobacco that is causing. It's, a, it's the addictive chemical in tobacco that's causing it. But tobacco causes a slew of other stuff. Primarily, the carcinogens, the things that are really causing cancer, is the heat and 
the slew of other toxins and carcinogens that are in uh, mixed along or whatever in that sense. So it's not primarily, so of course, when we say nicotine, we're talking about the, the chemical, you know, it's not like you can say, I, I, I can go get like some nicotine and like smoke that nicotine in a sense like that. It's kind of a, you know, the chemical byproduct of tobacco, right? So it's the stimulant, it's the addictive part. So it's primarily the addictive uh, aspect of tobacco. Uh, and the cancer is really caused by, as I said, the chemicals and all that other stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but it's it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Like you mentioned, it's like natives like brokering peace, you know, pass the peace pipe along and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's another thing. They probably smoked um, tobacco, uh, tobacco leaves and that kind of stuff. And it's very, um, how should I say, unadulterated. Natural. Yeah, natural kind of state. And I'm also, I, hey, I'm I'm not. I'm actually very much against smoking and and drug use in that sense because it does have an effect whether or not it's done recreationally and it doesn't have that much effect. It doesn't have all these chemicals or whatever. It still is going to have an effect on the oral cavity. And we can get into that later on. Of course. I mean, again, like talk, again, we're talking about things of a a natural state. So let's talk about like, let's say acetaminophen, right? So that's an ibuprofen. Again, what it would do is that the natives, they would, they would strip the leaves of the bark. They would then steep that in hot water, and they would drink that. And again, they 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 would get it in a natural, reasonable amount. However, though the form that we keep ingesting in, it is way more concentrated and potent. And that's how we're getting again liver problems, heart disease, you name it. It's crazy. That's that's kind of a like kind of going off on that sense. But yeah, the acetaminophen and you know ibuprofen, um, all that kind of stuff. It's let's even talk about caffeine for this sec. We'll just jump into that. Those kind of things are like over the counter, right? When we see over the counter, we kind of think of like, well, maybe it's not that bad. I can get it. I don't need a prescription, right? Yeah. Well, that doesn't mean that it's not bad for you. It just means that it's maybe not um, habit forming or addictive or the sense Mm -hmm. or, you know, there might not be substance abuse, but people can have chronic issues. And in the sense, substance abuse acetaminophen and Tylenol for, for, for wrong reasons. And, and I just want to quickly point out, it's one of those things that I think, I think they've done studies that like chronic use of like acetaminophen uh, and ibuprofen, especially ibuprofen, if I'm correct, does really have a lasting effect and, and a, a detrimental effect, I should say. Oof. Well, yeah, because it's like, okay, like you get a headache. Oh, for example, everyone assumes that pain, I know we're getting off topic right here a little bit, but like everyone assumes that when you have pain, oh, I just need to take an ibuprofen, right? However, though, it's not that's your body telling you like, oh, hey, like for example, when you're dehydrated, you get a headache. Your brain is t- your body's telling you like, hey, we're in pain. Stop the pain. Give us water, right? Your body knows what it needs, but yet you are interrupting that signal and you're just silencing it again. And then that's the whole philosophical thing too. of like, oh yeah, medicine is uh it should be healing you but your body knows what it needs exercise for example like what we talked about like squatting some people think like oh dude squatting is bad for you horrible for your knees and whatnot but no it's not it's just that you don't train your body to do that it's not that it's not unhealthy it's just that your body is uh, here's the thing your body is so good at adapting to the environment so for example if you're being lazy if you're slouching around, your body will reflect that environment because it is adapting to what you are giving it to. Absolutely, yeah. It's one of those things that we need to kind of kind of keep in check. Uh, so yeah, just um, kind of going back on to oral cancer in the 
you know, in the oral cavity. Just another statistic, it's more than about a million people are diagnosed yearly in the U.S. And here's a kind of um, an unfortunate statistic is that more than 25%, so that's about one in four patients uh, with oral cancer will die. So it's about 25%, right? That's that's a quarter of, of a population in the sense that are diagnosed with oral cancer will die. It's a serious thing. So let's kind of talk about maybe what we need to check for and what places, how we can check for it, right? So obviously, you know, you, you maybe, you know, you've been in the kind of the health setting, uh, you know, about like, uh, like mammograms or, um, you know, people that are checking for low, like tumors and stuff like that, you know, they need to find something that's kind of probably like firm and like hard and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we kind of check, we, we palpate those areas, um, and some of those areas, which we can talk about. So an extra oral, so that's just a course on your actual person. An extra oral area for so for head and neck skin cancer, you want to kind of palpate the occipital regions, and those are just the regions, if you recall, um, on the back of the head, kind of like if the base of the skull, I should say. Like if you just you know if you kind of just you know for those listening with me, you know, let's have a little uh, you know demonstration on that sense. Do this with me, you know, <laughs> you know, take your hand and kind of put it at those two divots on the back of your neck, right? Just kind of go up until you you start to feel when you're going up. On your neck, you start to feel your skull kind of jutting out. And so those bony parts on the back of your skull, those are the occipital region. And uh, so some people have, when they palpate those areas, they have kind of, how should I say, like it won't be it won't be smooth in the sense it won't be just like you're feeling over the skull. It'll be kind of hard. Uh, it'll be irregular. It'll, it'll be like, it'll be something like coming out in the sense. So we're looking for like these bony growths on that area. Another area we talk about is kind of above the ear and and kind of um, behind the ear. So it's a place a lot of people don't check behind their ears. I don't know when's the last time I ever looked behind my ear. Like that's that's like a place that's really easily kind of, you know, overlooked. So if you can, you know, with a mirror, kind of check those areas, palpate those. Um, of course, you know, you're palpating the uh, the sides of your um you know, your, your jaw, which is like your, your submandibular area. So below the, underneath the jaw and uh, of course, underneath the chin, which is the submental region. Um, basically you're looking, there's, these are, these areas have lymph nodes, which can get kind of enlarged, um, and be subject to be kind of a spot to worry about. So let me ask you this. So if, if you were like, you know, you were palpating around your, like your thyroid, which is kind of right, you know, below your Adam's apple. And, um, you noticed one day it's like, it's enlarged, right? So it's kind of, it's bigger than normal. It's kind of, it feels swollen. It's tender and it's painful. Do you think, do you think pain for your, like your lymph nodes, do you think pain is more, uh, a, a sign of cancer or not? What do you think? Ooh, that's actually, that's actually a really good question right there. Dang. Um, I mean, yeah, I would assume so, right? Because, like, again, p- pain is letting you know, it's like, hey, there's a problem. No? no? No, no, it's kind of a trick question, actually. Interestingly enough, pain uh, with swollen, this this might only be regarding lymph nodes, um, but when you're seeing something that's painful and enlarged, it's actually a sign of bacterial and or viral infections, not so much cancer. I know, I, I, like that. I, I like, tricked hey, them. That was smart, that was smart. <laughs> so that's interesting, yeah. So when you're looking for, when you're palpating these lymph nodes, you're looking for, Obviously, um, and when I say pain, you know, this could be, it could still be a precursor to cancer, but it's not really the defining feature of like, oh, this is something we definitely want to look at, you know? So if it's enlarged, it's painful, it's swollen, uh, and, um, it's easily movable, 
this is the thing. If it's easily movable, that's it's also not that much of a problem. It's it's kind of a, a indicative of you know a viral or bacterial infection. But when it's not movable and it's hard and it's enlarged and there's no pain, it means that there's might be some you know like a tumor or uh, something that could be benign or not, or it could be something to get checked out. You know, it's funny. This reminds me of a story. I remember I was on Reddit and I was reading this and. People, you know, like to talk about their injuries. I'm on like on a forum just to see it, like what they describe it as. And this guy, uh, he talked about how he severed his ACL, but he didn't know, right? And he he was walking funny. However, though, he described it as like, oh, I don't feel any pain. And he told he said that his doctor told him like, oh, that's actually not a good thing. You need to feel pain because it's like that means that the nerve is not running through there anymore. So it's actually worse if you felt pain. That's a good sign. But now since you don't feel pain. That's horrible. So you see where I'm going like with yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's funny how that works. It's like how would we know whether or not to get something checked out if it wasn't pain or whatever? If we just felt all hunky-dory every day, we wouldn't be, you know, there would be no cause for alarm, right? So it, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Yeah, it, it's pain is a really cool feature. I don't know. It's just like I'm trying to sell an iPod or something or, you know, iPhone. It's like <laughs> we have features, you know. It's basically we have it, – it's a mechanism that we have that – tells us whether or not we have some issue it's whether or not there's a cause for alarm and so um so yeah just kind of going back uh we did we kind of talked about the extra oral you know there's that on the head we can also check the uh sternocleidomastoid which is your you know that really large muscle i know i know armored soul is like touching that he's like yeah i I know anatomy when i when i hear it right (laughs) you know him going into like pt and everything like that so you're definitely gonna be talking about that sternocleidomastoid i bet right Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. So, yeah, the sternocleidomastoid, it has, like, two regions. You have your, you know, your um, post, um, your anterior and posterior uh, cervical chain. So it just means that it's just, like, you know, the one that's kind of on the back of it or on it, and you kind of want to grab it and kind of kind of scoop it up, palpate it accordingly. So a patient would normally turn to one side, and you could, you know, feel, like, for example, if you turn to the left, you would feel the, the right side of your neck, that SCM. And vice versa, you turn to the right, you feel the left side of your neck. And just as we're, since we're there, we want to obviously see your clavicle, which is your, um, excuse me, your, so your clavicle. It's collarbone? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. I was trying to think of the um, the layman's term or whatever. So I was like, what is it called, clavicle? <laughs> but yeah, your collarbone, right? So above the uh, cla- uh, clavicle or, uh, or your collarbone is the supraclavicular clavicular region and you just kind of want to press down in there and kind of scoop it and see if you find any kind of weird palpations but yeah so i'll quickly quickly kind of go into the intraoral because i know like a lot of people we talked about a lot of those cancers are originating in the mouth as well lateral borders of the tongue and of course the lip so we want to palpate the lips we want to palpate uh excuse me the labial mucosa which is you know just on the lips and everything like that and of course the buckle, which is like the inside of the cheek. Um, a lot of times, I think we mentioned, uh, you know, if you, if you kind of bite your your cheeks, that's also can keratinize that area, and it could also be a risk for oral cancer as well. But yeah, you check those areas. You want to check the oral pharynx, the back of the throat. You want to check the hard and soft palate, and um, you want to check, you know, palpate the tongue, and of course the floor of the mouth. All right, so tell me, what do you think like a a cancerous lesion would be, whether or not it's on the outside of the mouth or, you know, on the on the extraorally or intraorally? What do you think it looks like? So if it's going to be extraorally, so I imagine it kind of like, um, what's that one fruit? Um, is it a, 
It's not a grapefruit. It's not a jackfruit. Soursop, I want to say. Or, you know, you know that one fruit is like green and it has like all those. It's like very wiry. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a guava or something? Not like a guava. It's like, it's like, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, I want to say it's a soursop. Okay. Um, it's all like rough and stuff, right? So, yeah, where it's like all rough, very bumpy. And yeah, I want to, it's not a soursop, dang it. But anyway, I imagine it's like it's this type of fruit. If anyone out there remembers that, please, please comment that. We're trying to know. But it's like, it's like a green fruit. It's like a circular and it's like, it looks like kind of too, uh, if it's, extra right on the outside i imagine kind of very bumpy not smooth at all uh so that's what i imagine on the outside and also too it could probably maybe be dark i imagine like as a as a dark uh, spot now if it's intraorally right so i imagine it kind of as um irregular um very like a light lighter color per se uh, that's what I imagine as those two different cancers, what they would look like. Right, yeah. So all those kind of like those words that you said are really good descriptions of how we kind of describe oral cancer. So there's an acronym that's really good in that. It's called CLOTHS, C-L-O-T-H-S, like clothing. Um, yeah, so it stands for color consistency, location, outline, texture, history, and size. So colors, obviously, any kind of weird colors that's not your normal uh, pigmented color of your skin. So if you're a pretty fair-skinned person and you're seeing like a, a lot of darker colors on your skin, reds and browns, something like that, any kind of lesion, you know, scars or whatever, it might be something to check out just for that. Talk to your dermatologist or your PCP and figure it out that way. Uh, of course, you mentioned the word irregular. Yeah, if it's if it looks like it's not supposed to, I mean, a lot of times with these cancer lesions to describe them, it's kind of like simplified. It's like, hey, that thing looks weird. I should get it checked out. A lot of times when, with skin cancers, you know, you're going to see like, uh, you know, it could be like pearly white is a, is a big way to see. Uh, and also it's on the scalp too. Scalp areas is very common for uh, skin cancers, at least on the head. They get yeah. That's our case again. The hair serves as a purpose of again shielding our skin from UV rays. Exactly, exactly. Cooling effect as well. So yeah, exactly. And so yeah. So now that that area is kind of exposed, the UV light, sunlight beating down on that head. You know, that's why we. It's important. Wear sunscreen. Wear a hat. You know, I know. Like, hey, you know, I'm I'm probably the first one to say this is that I don't really wear that much sunscreen. Uh, but if ever I try to go out when it's really sunny, I'm always wearing long sleeves. I'm always wearing long pants. I don't like wearing shorts. And I'm wearing a hat, you know, and this is just kind of the the first way to kind of combat, you know, protect yourselves against uh, UV exposure. But yeah, so color, lo color consistency, location. So location, obviously where it is. Uh, outline, hey, if it's demarcated or poorly demarcated, regular or irregular borders. If this thing looks like, I don't know, like zigzaggy, all that good. Yeah, I'm just gonna say good stuff. That's bad stuff, actually. Um, <laughs> but if it looks like, you know, if it's not like, regular bordered in, in that sense it's something to get checked out of course you know the texture hey you can have like it could be kind of like a blister it could be flat we call those you know macules papules blister form it could be a vesicle you know it could be erosion it could be crusty it's kind of gross when we kind of get into that it's like you can see like it'll be like crusty i don't know what's what's crusty like i, I kind of like i like to think of cornmeal kind of like look. chap lips yeah chap what? lips kind of like yeah, chap lips. yeah. <laughs> uh, he got me right there oh, I, gotta, I gotta break out the birds and bees right now and uh, that's funny but yeah and even history right 
So it's like, how long have you had this? So like you would ask a patient, how long have you had this? What are the symptoms? And actually, you know, you want to wait like, how long do you think until we should really kind of talk about it? Like if, if, if I like the other day, like, okay, you said I have these chapped lips, right? And like, oh man, this guy, he looking, he looking crusty, right? He might have, I don't know, basal cell carcinoma, <laughs> you know? Uh, but it's like, hey, how long should I look? How long do you think I should wait to go to the doctor and really kind of talk about it? Ooh, I think, I mean, ideally you would want to be as, as soon as possible, right? So it's like, and like, that's the thing, like some people might take that as rude. It's like, okay, for example, it's like always looking out for the homies. So if I see a booger, like in the cave, like I'll be like, oh, hey, come here. And I'll whisper, I'll whisper in their ear. I'll be like, hey, you know, you got like a, like a bat in the cave. Like Here's a tissue. You know what I mean? Gotta look out for them. <laughs> it's so weird that you're saying that. I've never heard anybody like say it that way. Get a bat in the cave. No, yeah, you, that's what the, yeah. This is some armored that. soul slang, you know, I don't know where he's, <laughs> I don't know who taught him this stuff, you know, I don't know. No, that's, that's funny. That's, that, I appreciate that in a sense. You want to tell somebody that, right? And okay, so at the most, you want to wait two weeks at most, you know, obviously be prudent. Talk to your doctor me, like say, Hey, um, I had this thing. It just formed. Is this something, you know, mm-hmm. but it's kind of different. It's like, do you want to be like for every little bit of scar that happens on you? Do you want to be running to the doctor? Uh, I guess you could if you wanted to, but, you know, there's also peace of mind, right? So, at most, two weeks. And, of course, size, we want to, you know, our last letter in the cloth's size, you want to see how the size of it. Sometimes a really small thing could be, you know, something not that big of a deal, or a large thing could be cause for concern. So, one of my final questions I want to ask you, what is the... hmm, How should I ask this to you? It's another trick question, as if you can't tell. Okay. (laughs) So, like, what do you think is the best way to figure out if a tumor is cancerous or not? What's the best way? Oh. Uh, hmm. So, maybe I'll kind of give you, like, some examples. Would you want me to give you some examples or, like, just... No, no. Let me try this. All right. All I, right. I, I, could, I could do this with my dog, for example, because I had to take her to the vet and I had to get her checked out because I noticed there was this lump there. And I couldn't... That's the thing, because I went off of the size and I went and I and I... I think the I'm going to say firmness because like, for example, it turns out it wasn't cancerous. It was warts. She's just developing warts. Right. Um, so I would say it's like. So, no. So I, I'm kind of steering you the wrong direction, I think. OK. So what like what medical procedure would be the best thing? Would it be like visually inspecting oh. it? Uh, would it be like cutting it up? Uh, would it be doing like a biopsy or would you do need to do like, a, you know, like uh, put it under a microscope? What do you think? Biopsy, biopsy, biopsy yeah. So, like, we can visually inspect these things, and we can be like, oh, hey, this dude, he's got basal cell carcinoma, you know, pearly white, all this stuff, but it can still go to, you know, the lab, and it could still be benign. It could not be a problem. Mm. The best way to do it is to actually get a biopsy of something. Of course, okay. we want to get to the stage where we kind of see things beforehand and not have to be like, oh, doctor, just like, hey, you definitely need a biopsy. We don't want to get to that stage where it's like, I know that this needs a biopsy because it's suspicious. It just needs to be something that kind of be something we need to investigate. Okay, guys. Well, we appreciate you listening to this oral cancer screening. And I hope I've kind of provided some information uh, to how we can kind of self-diagnose. I shouldn't say maybe say self-diagnose, but maybe self-examine ourselves. uh, So maybe we can see whether or not uh, we have uh, something that could be cause for concern. And thank you guys for being very patient with our schedule. Again, it is the holidays, so spend time with your loved ones, cherish them, let them know that you love them. And 
keep those mugs warm for next time. Till the next brew. brew.